In this episode, we're talking to Zachary, who's a student at Pocatech, about community acupuncture. Is community acupuncture real acupuncture? Is it watering down the medicine and destroying the profession? Or is this the future of TCM? So, Zachary, thanks for being here. You're, you're welcome. I've been looking at your, um, your channel YouTube videos for a while and used those in school. Thanks for putting those out. They're really well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying. I need to like start doing it more. I kind of took a two-month break. I need to actually start making videos again. So, so your school is Pocatech. Pocatech, yes. Pocatech, and that's in Oregon. And it sounds like sort of its niche or its specialty is that it does community acupuncture. And I feel like this is a thing where every school has its own thing where you have some are the leaders in integrative medicine, some are the some schools are the herb schools, but it sounds like this school the specialty is community acupuncture. Exactly. Yes. So what's so great about community acupuncture? That's a great question. I mean, as a student, what's great for me about going to the school and just being the student clinic is just seeing all the people who have access to our our medicine and just seeing the people come into our clinic um, every day that I don't know if they would, a lot of them would ever make it into a traditional acupuncture office due to like the conditions that they have. Um, it's just a lot of traumatic conditions. Um, psychiatric issues, um, experiencing poverty, racism, uh, all these things, and just being kind of spit out by the Western medical model and not having enough resource or money to get any help. So this model just provides economic access to people who um, need acupuncture, and we believe that acupuncture can help them. So we've kind of modeled our business around like, okay, like, how can anyone get acupuncture and how can they get as much of it as they want? And then that leads to a bunch of like weird changes to the, the single room model. And I view us as being um, a partner with um, private room or whatever you want to call them, acupuncturists. I don't think of it as better or worse. It's just different stuff for different reasons. So is that the main advantage of community acupuncture is the accessibility? Yeah, that's one of the main advantages is the accessibility through the affordability. We have like a sliding scale and it's really low. And this is like the contentious point where people were saying we were going to destroy the profession is having a 20 to $40 sliding scale per treatment and sometimes less. And um, that. I think created a lot of angst in the community because as we know, like we're all trying to survive in this profession and it's already like hard enough. And then here come these people saying like, oh, we're going to provide it for $20. That's going to raise some alarms. So um, the economic access and the, and the safety of the um, group treatment room, because you just walk in and there's like 10 people sitting in recliners getting some distal acupuncture and you just kind of feel safe. You're like, oh, nothing weird's going to happen here. No one's going to like take their clothes off or do some weird thing, right? Yeah, and I guess I feel like maybe those are kind of the pushbacks against community acupuncture that on the one hand, we have people who are saying it's watering down acupuncture because you're not really giving a full treatment. But then I guess you brought up the other thing is that it's also by providing cheaper treatments is that does that make it harder for other acupuncturists to charge reasonable prices? Is it saying this expectation that acupuncture should cost $20 when other people are charging $120? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like, And that that point of contention as like a, a student who studies some Western science, and I just care about community health and people getting treatments to make them uh, 
you know, heal along their journey. I think it'd be great to work in coordination with private acupuncturists because some things like you can really do really well with community acupuncture and some things are a little more challenging to get to. Like since we don't ask people to take their shirts off and stuff, we're not doing back shoe points or we're not doing, you know, more invasive points. And so, uh, and, and, and also with, there's just strange things like myself, I had some really bad TMJ last month or TMD and um, I, I got some community treatments and it definitely took the stress off and helped me relax. But I saw a private room acupuncturist and I was better in one treatment. So I had to really examine, you know, what I believed about that. And I saw that the two working together really helped me because I felt a lot better and, but I don't have a lot of money. I'm a poor mm -hmm. student. So then I can keep going as like a preventive thing in the community clinic. So my jaw doesn't lock up again. Otherwise, I'm just kind of, you know, what am I going to do? Buy food, pay for rent, get acupuncture. You know, it's, it's a hard life out there. Yeah. And I guess that's that's kind of an issue is like, are you sacrificing efficacy in the community acupuncture model because you're not able to get to as many points? You're not able to do as maybe as an in-depth treatment. Is it less, do you, do you find it still has the same efficacy? Well, that's a great question. We have to define what efficacy is. And so even Western science can't quantify what that is for acupuncture in, in a sense because it's so hard to study because there's no um, placebo, inert placebo, right? So, or you could do like sham acupuncture, but it's still pressing a point. So if we, if we can't even define what efficacy is, it's hard to even compare within our own field the different forms of efficacy. And then uh, I haven't, I, I love science and studies. I don't see any studies that say any style of acupuncture is better than any other one categorically, but for certain conditions, there definitely are standards, right? And also there's the empirical knowledge of all of, you know, the Chinese medical history that says, what what certain conditions respond to and so i'm just a student i haven't you know cured people magically a ton of times but i think like for anxiety stress trauma and pain um distal acupuncture works really well we're using like um master dong and dr tan methods mostly and they seem pretty effective for pain and i've seen some pretty great results with that kind of stuff in the student clinic yeah and i guess we could also make the the argument that getting some acupuncture is better than getting no acupuncture. And so if it's a choice between, I, I, I mean, maybe it's like if community acupuncture didn't exist, these people would be getting no acupuncture. And so the fact that they're getting some acupuncture in a community model is better than getting no acupuncture. I think so. I mean, one of the um, directors of our school, um, Lisa Rowletter, who um, she really started the community acupuncture uh, movement. They just say the the more people who get acupuncture, the more people get acupuncture or something like that. Like we're just going to get more people getting acupuncture. And then like, you know, the Tao, they just people find their way. So, you know, maybe this works for them. Maybe it doesn't. They look around. And so it's like a it's like a gateway drug in some sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that's what happened with you and your TMJ is that you started with community acupuncture and then you went into a, a more private model and... It's kind of like the community acupuncture acted as a gateway to going to a to a private practice. 
And that's even more interesting because what really helped me the most was the acupuncturist did some osteopathic massage and like some spinal manipulation on my neck and my, my head. And that that's really what kicked it in. So when we even talk about acupuncture, like in a private room, then there, there's sometimes a, a mixture of like modalities there. And so then it's even harder to discuss is the acupuncture or the, that in combination with something else that a a person is using and the studies as far as like the western studies they're not even looking at those kind of combinations very much as far as i know yeah so it's kind of just that you have more opportunities with a one-on-one patient interaction that you can do more things you can talk to the person more you can use more modalities you can do more massage and stuff like that or maybe that's not possible in a community setting no, the, it's we're just doing acupuncture only. Some people choose to use like patent herbs in their community setting or will do like a little cupping or like a little moxa. But, you know, if you're sharing a treatment room with a bunch of people, if you burn too much moxa, that would yeah. be kind of weird. So, uh, you know, there might be a way to work those things out. But um, I think most of the schedules are people are seeing, you know, eight to ten people an hour. So, you know, it kind of it, it adds up like we're seeing a lot of people. So. We're just trying to get a lot of people, a lot of acupuncture and they're getting, I think it's like the 80, 20 rule. Uh, we see that in like other, um, arts too, you know, you, you, you aim for that big chunk of 80% of people can get improvement and then some people just need more. And I, I, I don't like to say that anything is better or worse. I just try to say that there's different things are suitable for different conditions. And then I think that'll help us resolve the debate between the two sides is just be like okay we exist now and we're like doing different things and we like each other it'd be cool to say that and i guess that's another interesting point is the economic viability from the practitioner point of view or from the business aspect where it's like you're you may have this sliding scale where you're only charging 20 dollars a treatment but you're seeing eight to ten patients an hour and so does that mean it's guess do you think it's possible that you could actually make more money doing community acupuncture than seeing people one at a time or three at a time i think um a lot of the people in our um school and our network like our school is called polka tech but polka is a nonprofit, the people's organization of community acupuncture so there's like a bunch of clinics across the country that do it this way and um there's a lot of people who are solo practitioners in their community clinic so They'll just see tons and tons of people per week. And I think they're doing quite well. And there's other people who want to form like larger multi-practitioner clinics. And, you know, running a business is really hard. Um, you know, you have to provide for the employees, the salaries, and it's marketing and the overhead. It, you know, so I don't know exactly how that pans out for everyone. But there's so many acupuncturists, I think, that graduate school and then they have to like, be like, oh, now I have to start a business and they have no idea how to do that. So this is one way that I think people could have some success with. And also just as a student, I like it because I get to see a lot of people when I'm beginning and I get to just see a lot of conditions. And since I'm new to like being a provider in healthcare, that's really beneficial to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's like a lot of people after they graduate, they would go and do the the cruise ship thing. And some people would say, oh, when you work on a cruise ship, maybe you can make a lot of money or sometimes people don't make a lot of money. But what they say is you get to see a lot of people right away. And so just getting that patient experience of seeing a wide variety of complaints, that's worth it just for that experience. I've never heard of people doing that. That's cool. Is that still happening? I mean, the COVID thing kind of shut down cruise ships, but I wonder if that'll come back. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I don't know about that. But yeah, I knew a few people who did that, that it's like you can, uh, there's this company that just sends people on to cruise ships. And it's kind of like the uh, spa thing and they have massage therapists and they added an acupuncture. So it's something you can go on like a six month contract to just go on a cruise ship and do acupuncture on a cruise ship. So that sounds fun. Wow. I mean, I'd want to like, I don't know, just stay there if I did that. Maybe. I don't know if I'd want to leave. I, I've never been on a cruise ship, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So it, it sounds interesting. It's like I've known some people who really loved it and some people who really hated it. So is that something that they emphasize at your school is the business aspect of this, of how do you not only how do you run a how do you do treatments, but how do you run a business as community acupuncture? Yeah, we definitely talk a lot about that. And in Year three, which is what I'm moving into because it's a three-year program, um, you you start to differentiate um, your own personal plan if you're going to try to work for someone as a community acupuncture provider in one of our various clinics, or if you want to like start your own. And then if you want to start your own clinic, then part of graduating is having essentially a business plan out the door, like when you graduate, and that's part of your condition to even graduate. So they really don't want you to graduate if you're not going to do this, if you're just going to get, you know, your license and be like, well, that was hard. I'm done, which happens. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really hard. So no, but that sounds really cool because I feel like that's one of the things I when I talk to people, that's one of the things, what do I want to say? One of the things they didn't like about school is that they felt ill prepared to start a business. And sometimes they talk about that. Is that the school's fault or is that the students just aren't focusing they're 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 focusing so hard on learning the material that they forget about oh i actually have to start a business but i feel like that's i mean i guess at least for me that was a big struggle as i got out of school and i passed my boards it's like oh shit i know nothing about starting a business who yeah it's it can be rough um before all of this like my origin story or whatever was i i was just doing some tai chi and qigong classes in my uh, teacher's um, class who was in a community acupuncture clinic in Ashland, Oregon, my friend Chad Moyer, he's an acupuncturist in Ashland. And uh, yeah, we would just like try to run these classes and it was really hard to get a lot of people to come and make it a profitable business, like teaching people because it, you face yourself, there's a lot of challenges in learning all of these like internal arts. And, um, you know, we charge like you know, $70 a month or $5 per person or whatever, but it was never even close to even what community acupuncturists charge, you know, 20 to $40 sliding scale. So I was like, wait, I'm teaching these Qigong classes for like $15 an hour and I'm teaching like 20 people. And then like the acupuncturists are teaching one person at a time. They're charging all this money or are giving treatments to and or getting them all in a room and charging 20 to 40. So I really wanted to switch my model, not just for the money part, but just because I wanted to provide a, a better medical service. Um, and I, a lot of my students ended up and other people in the class ended up getting acupuncture treatments concurrently with their Qigong and Tai Chi work. And then they got better, like a lot quicker um, and for all sorts of things, hip problems, shoulder problems, whatever. So I just really wanted to be able to offer that. So do you think community acupuncture is the future of acupuncture? Do you think this is where the profession is heading? <laughs> I love that question. Um, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I think I like everything there's a yin and a yang, right? So I think 
it's definitely here to stay. Like, I think there will be community acupuncture. And I think a lot of this, uh, this rests on what happens with the U.S. And it, if it gets a national healthcare system, like a single payer system or not, like a lot of what we're doing is just taking care of people who don't have access to healthcare and are, are, are discriminated against by our healthcare system. So it definitely fills that niche. And I think I see that happening. But do I see it like eliminating all solo practitioners? No way. Like, there's so much need for solo practitioners and the wonderful things you do. And also the scholars of Chinese medicine, bringing us back to the classical roots and interpreting the texts and translating and writing books. Like, we're not going to be doing that. We're just a bunch of punks. Like, we're just we actually call ourselves punks, like short for acupuncturists. So like, we really don't take ourselves very seriously. <laughs> Maybe I do, but not most of us. And, and, and so I, I guess hearing that, does that mean like community acupuncture is like acupuncture light and community acupuncturists are just like not as good as, as real acupuncturists or like you have the punks and the scholars and we're, we're gonna, we're gonna have turf wars or something. Uh, I think there are some turf wars, but I want to have like a mega conference with all of us. And so we could have like the scholars of Chinese medicine and then the TCM people, the solo people, the like integrative medicine, Western, Eastern people, us. And we just all sit in a room and then we talk about what we do and the advantages and disadvantages. And then we work together or we just fight like that would be yeah. fun to <laughs> straight up brawl. Yeah, or I guess an analogy would be in China when they had the barefoot doctors that I think that they were not scholars. They were not highly trained. It's kind of like they – I think maybe they just even did recipe book acupuncture, but it's like there was a need. They needed people to go into these areas that didn't have a, access to healthcare, And so they needed somebody to go in there and at least do something. And I think maybe they were looked down upon by like the, the scholar physicians, but – they were an essential part of the, the healthcare system. Yeah, I, I actually got a free copy of um, the Barefoot Doctor manual or book. Um, for, and I was looking through it and like reading through it. And I was like, holy shit, is this my curriculum? Did we just <laughs> like rip it out of this book? I mean, it is kind of like that to some degree. But then we have to reflect on like, is that America right now? Or are we in a similar condition where we just don't care about people and aren't treating them as much as they need to. And, you know, that's why there's all these debates about, you know, providing health care and the kind, the kind of people who have a hard time getting it for whatever reason. So that's an important point is like, there's like two sides to every story. Like, we're, are we reducing it or poorly trained? Or are we emphasizing the parts of the medicine that are relevant to people who need this kind of access? And so if we spent the time doing the other thing, then we'd be taking the time away from giving the access. So it's it. there's really a bunch of ways to look at it. But I love the conversation. And I, I you know, I drank the Kool-Aid and I, you know, threw up the Kool-Aid and I, I have a lot of friends like in different, you know, thought streams. Like I really love uh, my friend, Andrew Miles, who's like an herbalist with botanical biohacking. Like he's always giving me some tips about, you know, how to work with herbs in a community clinic. And just like, cause his, his teacher, um, one of his teachers, I think Jin Zhao, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is like really renowned for just cranking out a ton of herbal treatments in an hour. So in a way he's like kind of similar, um, from what I've heard to just, you know, providing lots and lots and lots of treatments, um, because people need them. 
but I don't know what his price point is, so it might be a bad comparison. Maybe he's really expensive. <laughs> I bet so. But that's fine. Um, do you do do you do a lot of herbs in your community clinic? Do you have herbal training? No, we're acupuncture only. So I we're not receiving herbal training. I mean, we receive like what's required basically to get licensure, but um, it's not. We're both mostly just going to focus on patent medication, not like a high level herbal training or anything. Okay, yeah, and I feel like that's a thing that varies by state. Where it's like in California, you're required to do both, whereas other states you. You only have to do acupuncture. You don't have to do any herbs. So I guess I'm not sure what it's like in, in Oregon. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, no, there's no herbal requirement here. But I think in the acupuncture, um, you have to have an acupuncture license to prescribe Chinese herbs to some degree. But it, you don't have to have the certificate, the NCCLM certificate. But whatever, maybe I'll just quit all this and do Reiki and just like put my Bogwa <laughs> yeah. hands over people and make funny sounds. I don't know. <sighs> I think about it often because school's hard. So it sounds like some of the advantages of community acupuncture are accessibility and mostly economic uh, accessibility and the ability to see a lot of patients at once. But some of the disadvantages are maybe there's less quality of treatment that you get can't get to as many points. We can't do you, – we're mostly doing distal points. I don't know. Is there anything else? What are the advantages and disadvantages of community acupuncture? I love this topic because it's almost, I'm almost prohibited from speaking of the disadvantages, right? Because we talked about Kool-Aid a little bit, but nothing is that way, right? Like I've been around the block a few times. Like when I learned Tai Chi, it was the ultimate original method, right? But there's always other stuff out there. Um, so I think it's, it's questionable, like what, if, if it's lower quality, like I'll just say up front, like I don't know if it's lower quality because I, you know, I, I spent my undergrad in public health. So the only way to determine efficacy is with like a study, right? So without a study, we're just talking about practitioner opinions on based on a case study or history, which is the lowest tier of evidence. So from that vantage point, I don't know. But I mean, clearly there's certain things that I've had worked on on me from private practitioners where they did they had more time to pay attention to me the more time you have with someone the more you can understand about them and maybe you can do more and i, I there's that is definitely a disadvantage so um, then we get to the question of like frequency like let's say i can't do everything but i see someone 10 times more than someone else does it all even out that's the big question and so i'm personally interested in finding out what the results will be with that and what things I can treat and when in that model and what I can't. And then I'd love to have um, partnerships or um, affiliations with people who can do those other things really well. Like why just be like, Oh yeah, I can do everything and just be, you know, super confident. I know there's some things I won't be able to do and that's important to talk about. Yeah. And I guess I think one interesting thing is, I feel like one of the pushbacks against this community style is you can't get to as many points just because usually people are in this gravity chair and there nobody's disrobing. There's not as much you can get to. But I also feel like that's also a traditional thing that it's some of the some of the great acupuncturists only used antique points. They were only they were only using five shoe points from the elbow down and from the knee down. So I feel like even though you can't get to back shoe points, there's still a lot you can do just from the arms and legs. 
Yeah, and during summertime, uh, when people wear short shorts because they're biking around, you can get to those master dong points, you know, up on the thighs, and those are pretty good. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, it we do follow a lot of the classical ideas, like the transport points, the antique points, or yeah, there's different names for them. But um, yeah, those are. I was just doing some Korean four point treatments in student yeah. clinic today. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, it's like that's definitely you can something you can still do with shirts and with shirts and pants on. So yeah, and I'm I'm just wondering, you know, where this will all go. Like I'm I'm not super confident either way. I've just learned to be neutral and just you know see see what happens, see what the results are, and let those speak for themselves. But I love I love critiques of community acupuncture. Like I wish like this whole podcast was just like every critique of it, so we could just go through it. It'd be fun. I, I guess what are the other critiques of it? I'm trying to think of. I feel it's, it's mostly just like snooty people like me who are being like, yeah, it's not real acupuncture. I mean, it kind of makes me think of I had some some friends who they would combine yoga and acupuncture where it's like you would do you would do half an hour of a yoga class and everyone would sit in Shavasana and they'd go around and do four gates. I'm like, that's not real acupuncture. <laughs> But I think a lot of those same arguments came up where it's like you're moving chi, you're doing something, and maybe it's a good experience. It can it can be a gateway experience that people who might not ever get acupuncture, now they know what it feels like to get needles and they might go on to do something more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are we diluting the profession? I, I, I often wonder that. Um, but I'm evidence-based, so I just keep going back to that. It's just like, I want to see our whole profession get more into just getting evidence for what we do on a whole, and I want to elevate us all together because I think what we do is really important and special and that people should have more access to it. And I don't really know... um, I don't really know if it's an either or thing, but yeah, we're weird. Like, just going back to criticisms, we could talk about those all day. I have a few. Yeah, and I guess what I just said was actually really snooty because I was kind of implying that community (laughs) acupuncture isn't real acupuncture. Like the purpose of community acupuncture is so that people can go experience the real acupuncture. But that's like a really snooty point of view where it's like, no, the community acupuncture is it can be an end to itself that you can actually get good results and they don't. Maybe it's not a gateway. Maybe that's their end result is they go to community acupuncture and now they're now they're better. Now they're healed and they don't need any more acupuncture. Yeah, man. What Kool-Aid did you drink? Your snooty Kool-Aid over there? No, it's fine because like that's I think that's why they let me into the school, honestly, is because I did all this martial arts stuff before. And I'm just I love a good argument or fight. I did debate back in the day, like academic debates. Like, yeah, let's let's dig into it. And so um I don't know. You're right, though. There is a default attitude that we suck. We don't know what we're doing. We're undertrained and we're just ruining everything. And so I I question, like, where does that come from? Are there people that have actually ruined the profession? Like, it seems like we're doing okay. But if I think we could just uh, pass the buck on to the ear acupuncture people, the, the five needle protocol people, maybe they're ruining the profession. They only have five points, right? But we actually like what they do. And we do that too. So the Accu Detox kind of stuff. Um, But I don't know. We'd have to say like, what is ruining the profession? What is building it? We could talk about that for a while. But we are kind of like, I think, cult-like. Like some people say there's like a weird cult-like vibe to us. 
And going into community acupuncture, I've wanted to change that. And part of that is just getting rid of these like accusatory labels that get thrown around. Like we like to call y'all like boutique acupuncturists, like at a spa or something. And in the same sentence say that like, oh, but we should respect everyone for everything that's unique about them and not cause trauma. But whatever, you're just like a boutique capitalist money grabbing, you know, shyster. And so I just don't think we should like have that contradiction in our language. Um, it's just not needed, really. Uh, but I've gotten a lot of flack for that. Like, I'm the anomaly, probably, in our program. <laughs> well, I think that's funny that you say it's like a cult, because I feel like every style of acupuncture is like a cult, like the jet, like the Japanese style. I knew a lot of Japanese style practitioners that they just walk around acting like they worship the one true God. And us heathens over here are sticking in our needles half an inch deep where we're doing all these bad things, but they know the one true way. Or even like five element people are say like, if you don't follow exactly what J.R. Worsley says, you're not actually doing five elements. So I feel like every, I think that's just kind of funny that every, Every style has a cult, and that's why we can't unify as a profession. That's why, like, in California, there are 32 different professional organizations for acupuncture, and we just can't unify. Nobody will take us seriously because we can't have a unified voice. Everyone's following their own little – their cult-like ideas about what acupuncture should be. That's a really good point. Like, it's cool to hear that there's other cults out there that I haven't found like the the one like worst cult. There's lots of them and they're <laughs> doing different things. <laughs> oh, this is another point that I wanted to talk about. Um, when I was having my TMJ issue, I saw a physical therapist who had learned how to do dry needling acupuncture and was able to do it in another state. I don't know exactly where they were from, but in Oregon, we don't let PTs do any needlework as far as like acupuncture or dry needling, but they were like working on my face and my my neck and they really wanted to do the dry needling. And I told them I was an acupuncture student and they're like, wait, you didn't learn how to do this in school? Like I could fix your problem right now. And I was like, no, but she's like, sorry, I can't do it for you. And so I didn't get the full effect of the treatment until I saw another private acupuncturist who did, you know, the, the spinal uh, manipulation and the needling. So there, it's such a weird field out there because, like, are we destroying it or are people trying to take it away from us from the outside, like the chiropractors and the PTs? Like, do they want to take acupuncture? I don't know. So who, how can we bring this into the future and, like, embrace science and tradition and not um, just, like, fight among ourselves until we crumble? That's a big question I have. Yeah, because I would say I think that most acupuncturists feel like dry needling is stealing the profession <laughs> from us. So I could see that. Um, but we have a weird view on that. I think we're just like the more people that get needles, the better. So if other people want to give needles to people um, and they have the right training, they should. But that's when I say ours, like, I don't know if that's my personal view. Like, it's an opinion out there for sure. And I think that was an interesting point of view I heard from one of my teachers when this is – I think this was before dry needling was a thing, but people called it medical acupuncture when MDs could go to a 200-hour course and do acupuncture. And I had a teacher who had a really interesting point of view where he was all in favor for it because what he said is most of these MDs go to this weekend course and they they learn acupuncture, they do it a few times, and they discover that it works. And so now you have people who know that it works, but then like 
three weeks later, they're like, oh, I'm tired of doing this acupuncture stuff and they don't want to do it anymore. But now they believe that it works. So instead of doing it themselves, they end up referring the, their patients to acupuncture. So his point of view was that this dry, this, or at least this medical acupuncture is what it was called at the time, was actually a benefit to our profession that it, now we have MDs actually believing in acupuncture and that's only a good thing. I agree with that. I mean, if that's the way it goes, um, I have like a medical acupuncture book I was reading through and yeah, it was just like, you see the points and instead of like the standard indications or the TCM ones, it would just be like studies that showed the like biochemical effects of each point in the different Western literature on it. It was kind of a weird way of going about it. I don't know if it's effective, but it was seemed pretty cool, but I'm sure they could do like traditional acupuncture as well, like just because they're an MD doesn't mean they couldn't learn like any of the available methods. Yeah. And I, and I guess, again, it's, it's, it's making it like a gateway where maybe someone's going to their MD for medical acupuncture and now they have an experience of needles and maybe they're more likely to go to a real acupuncturist. Oh, yes. The real acupuncturist. I love you all. I love the real acupuncturist. I mean, honestly, um, I think if doing the kind of work like community service work, like you just have to have like this humility and it's okay. Like there's a lot of people doing really amazing things and we're just part of like a, a team, you know, like I, I experience this with Tai Chi classes too. Like, you know, there's the one master that teaches you all this stuff and you just have like the one class, but even like yoga studios can have like multiple yoga teachers under one building and they've like worked out that model. It's just really hard to get us like in these varying styles in like one place to just like do our thing and disagree a little bit. And my Bagua teacher, Ed Hines, his his online community is called Practices Beyond Style. So he he just wants to make it accessible to people who like just want to share how the arts work and how to train them and have open minded conversations and get rid of the whole warfare aspect of like this is better. That's worse kind of thing. And I guess yoga is a good analogy because that's another thing that I'm really snooty about that it's like <laughs> I learned yoga from a yoga from a yoga monk who who like trained under a guru in India and then I see like all these like skinny white girls in their Lululemon pants like that's not real yoga <laughs> and I think and I think there's the same debate where it's like not everybody wants to meditate for 2 hours a day so maybe the fact that they're going to a core power yoga class and yeah, maybe they do sit-ups in the middle middle of their yoga class, and I think that's not real yoga. Maybe that's still better than nothing. And so I, I guess maybe that's like sort of a, a parallel debate of me being snooty versus the accessibility. Well, don't stop being snooty because I think that's what makes this podcast really fun to listen to. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Opinionated snootiness with a little like alcohol mixed in. Like I, it's great. Like that's something I've been coming to more is like, it's okay to have like an opinion, even if it's snooty, you know, like at least say something, don't be scared to just speak your mind on whatever it is. And that's another interesting, uh, parallel is we, we don't talk to people about their lifestyles at all in community acupuncture clinics. Like we don't, we don't ask people to change their diet, to change their sleep patterns, we don't we don't advise any of that. We we let the patient decide what they want to do because we view it as trauma informed care. So in that sense, if someone's like, you know, obviously has a condition, like let's say they keep eating a food that's causing their issue, 
how do you approach that? Like we have a totally different way of doing it in the two models, the community model and maybe the more private model. And as far as I'm concerned, they're both really good. Like people know sometimes what they need to do to like get better, but they've heard it like a thousand times. So I don't know if I'm really going to like help them this time, but sometimes people are ready and they want to make that change. So they need like an expert to help them make the change. So they're both really good in my opinion. I guess that's another interesting point is what is it like establishing patient rapport? Because because I feel like my practice is the opposite of community. Like I spend 90 minutes with a patient and I'll just sit there and shoot the shit. And part of it is about establishing a relationship with a patient. Is that possible in a community setting or is that another one of the things you have to sacrifice? Uh, I don't know. I mean, myself, like social skills have always been a challenge for me. Maybe I just have like crazy ADHD or something, but like, it's really difficult for me. But a lot of people in my program and in POCA, um, liken it to like a service industry job. Like if you're like a server at a restaurant, you know, and you want to get a tip, you know, you find ways to like quickly make rapport. And apparently one of my, um, it wasn't my supervisor or classmate was talking about how they were talking to how a stripper made rapport with her clients and how like you can quickly get it and there's like different ways to do it. So in the student clinic, I'm just learning, but usually I just crack some like stupid joke and just like laugh about something or ask someone about their day. And it seems to be enough, but um, you know, sometimes people don't come back or you don't get the you know sweet treatment plan thing going on. And I, I often wonder at night, you know, does anyone love me? Um, am I special (laughs) or not? (laughs) Whatever. Maybe other people wonder that. And we were talking before about dosage. And I feel like this might be one of the advantages of community acupuncture is because it's more accessible, it's more affordable. That means you can get more treatments more often. And I think this is an interesting thing because I feel like in America, kind of the standard is you go to acupuncture once a week or maybe once every other week. I I think you have to be pretty wealthy to go more than once a week. But when I read like studies from China, it's usually like people are getting acupuncture every day or every other day when they talk about doing these studies. So are you just saying we're better? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no. I'm I'm saying like this is – like I'm kind of saying like is our is this American model actually correct? It's like can you get good results just giving acupuncture once a week or do we need to be seeing people every other day in order to get these good results? And is that is that more uh possible in a community style? I I think so for a lot of things and also with the management of like chronic conditions, like things that are going to like either really slowly improve or maybe never improve, but people need uh, pain relief or they need to sleep better and they're just like busting their ass working some working class job every week. Like it's good that they can come a couple times a week. Some people come like every day or every other day and they're just like totally regulars in our clinic. So it's cool that they come. And I think there's risks on either side. Like our risk is like, oh, you keep coming, you keep coming. It's $20 a treatment. Well, that adds up. What if we don't fix your issue, right? But then if you go to an acupuncturist one time and you pay $150 and you don't get cured magically or whatever, you might just quit and say like, oh, this is bullshit. It didn't work, but really you needed like five more treatments or whatever, right? So it's there's risks on either side, I think. And and so I guess which is more important, the quality of treatment? Is it good to give like one really great treatment once a week or is it better to give 
a slightly less good treatment three times a week, which is going to get better results. I honestly don't have the answer to that. And, you know, there's no, I think there's like studies that have been done on like patient satisfaction with different acupuncture delivery models. So you just do like a questionnaire, like, how did you feel after you got private or, you know, community acupuncture and people, um, I don't think there's a huge difference. People liked both overall. Um, but I know that in the community setting, people like there's, it's easier to make like friends that have a similar condition to you because you're in like a a room full of people and it's more social. So that kind of draws people in more, but, um, I don't know, like, I don't think anyone's really evaluated the effectiveness of either one in a, in a, in a, like an RCT or something, you know, like a, a real hardcore science model and, and then, you know, in our profession, just in the totality of it, there's a lot of distrust of like that model on a whole, like can an RCT even describe what we do? So it's like, how are we ever going to get out of this? I don't know. Like, will we ever know if one's more effective or not? Or or does that even matter? Like, um, I personally, like as someone who studied public health, I just want people to have more access to healthcare. So battles are great yeah duke it out like who's better and then they'll just be like more of you that's kind of my opinion i wish there was something funnier to say about it i wanted to talk about funny things in community acupuncture and some funny stories um there was a a a patient to um an anonymous patient of course but a real human being not alien or something like that and they um thought that by rotating their their chair a certain amount of degrees it would change the chi flow in their body so there's like different like there's just different things you encounter and it's just been fun to do that in the student clinic and just come up with like a canned response and i'm just trying to get something better than like oh that's interesting (laughs) or like i don't know how do you deal with that like do your do your patients ask you things like how does how does acupuncture work or like what does that point do you you know like how do you what amount of time do you devote to that and that's something i've thought about how to get better at honestly yeah because i i feel like that comes up a lot and sometimes it like depends on the patient where sometimes i'll give more of a western scientific sort of explanation like oh we're releasing this is the trigger point of the piriformis muscle so we're going to release this muscle and that's going to ease the pressure on your sciatic nerve so you won't feel this pain some people are really into that some people i'm like oh yeah we're we're putting a bunch of needles in your feet because that's going to ground you that's going to draw the energy downward and make you feel more grounded and they're like oh yeah i need that um i mean there are some people uh, it was really funny i had one I had one patient that like, like he was one of these people that he would come in and rearrange the room and things like that. And I had a Chinese uh, supervisor and she said – she asked me, do you know the names of the points? And I said, yeah, some of them I know the names. And, he, and she said, when you do the needles, tell him the name of the point and explain to him the meaning of the name. He seems like he would like Uh-oh. that. And I, I, thought, I thought that last part was like, he just seems like he would like that. I thought that was a kind of a funny comment. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and, and so I would do stuff like that where it would be like, oh, do 16. It's a ghost point. So we could say this is like you're being possessed by ghosts, but it's also helping you deal with the ghosts of your past and past experiences that come up. Or like, oh, pericardium six is called Nei Guan, the inner gate. So it's about... 
uh, creating balance between your inner world and your outer world. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds like something I need. That I'd really need that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, so I guess the explanations kind of vary. Some people would like, I think they would get up and walk out if I said that. So I have to say like, oh yeah, we're releasing this muscle and things like that. So it kind of depends. Yeah, in back to your um, discussion of creating rapport with patients, like I wonder which one leads to better rapport, like to give like the super serious scientific answer or the more like spiritual answer or just like no answer at all. Just be like, oh, it does something good. And just don't tell them anything. You know, there seems to be different approaches yeah. out there. Yeah, and I, and I think I really do think it depends on the person about – I mean, it's like we were in California and it was like a really hippie-ish place. So you, so you did have those, those really hippie-ish people who were really into that. But then you had some very serious scientific people who just wanted that scientific explanation. So I think it really depended on the person. <sighs> I'm trying to think anything else. Anything else about community acupuncture? Or... I think what's cool about Pogatech is that before we learn TCM, we learn 10 different styles of acupuncture that we do in the student clinic. Uh, and so we learn these 10 different modalities based on distal acupuncture theories. Um, so um, one of them, uh, I already mentioned, like, you know, Dr. Tan or Tan's method, and we do some Master Dong method, and like Korean four point is another example. And so we kind of go through these different modalities and we focus on just treating patients and seeing the results. And it's kind of cool because we see people get results no matter what one of the 10 methods we're doing. And so I think part of our program is trying to get us to see how the style is not like the most important thing. Like it's, it's definitely matters. Like you need to have a framework and get competent at whatever that is. Um, and then the third year is about passing the board exams. So then you have to learn TCM and the theories behind that to pass boards, but they're not a fan of TCM at all, which is hilarious because I love TCM and a lot of people in the greater acupuncture world also do and it's such a nice interface with herbalism but since we're not focused on herbalism you know at all um you could see why we might have that attitude so i think it's cool to just try a bunch of different techniques out and and just have like an open-minded attitude about you know different styles and then a after graduation maybe pick one that you want to master or get closer to but, you know, there's people out there that say, like, the way to do it is you just pick one style and then you get really good at it and you have to stick with one thing. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how true that is or not. I honestly don't know. Well, I think that's also interesting because a lot of the students I deal with have this problem where the first year or the first two years, you're just learning a whole bunch of theory. And the students are like, I've memorized all this theory but I have no idea what to do with it. And so at least as when, like when I was in school, we had a lot of people, it's like you would be in school for a year and a half and people would be like, I feel like I've learned all these things. But if a patient came in with a problem, I would have no idea what to do. So that's kind of interesting that it's like on the one hand, you're kind of sacrificing the theory, but it's like you're getting actual experience up front right away. Yeah, they just throw you into it. Um, I think the first modality we do is Miriam Lee's 10 great points or whatever the official name is and did that with a bunch of people and they all said it was a wonderful treatment. They really enjoyed it and got the results they got. So, you know, 
I didn't know anything at that point. So it was fun to move on from that and learn more. Um, but like every, every approach has its, you know, dogma and its pros and cons. So, you know, we are dealing with people after all. So developing like people skills and clinic skills is, is really good. And so I think a lot of this program that I'm in is just trying to solve like a lot of the weirdness with TCM education, but then it introduces other forms of weirdness out there. So you can't, you can't get away from it, you know? And I, and I guess this makes me think of a weird thing, like earlier conversations when with Patrick, when you're being all snooty about (laughs) how point selection and one of his sayings is like any motherfucker can move chi. And so that, that kind of makes me think it's like, is community acupuncture just a bunch of motherfuckers moving chi when they don't know what they're doing? And so I guess we kind of come back to that too. But it's also like results are results. If the people feel better, that's kind of all that matters. I know. And I'm I'm super into that. I mean, that's what we do with our Bagua too. It's like it's a practical method for results. Like at the end of the day, like we all have our theories about how something works. But if we like if we spar or have a match or whatever, right, like that's what decides like who wins or who loses whatever that even means right um so if the theory doesn't lead to results we have to say like well what's the value of the theory and obviously it's always theory and application together but i don't know i really loved your conversations with patrick they're hilarious so i was just like laughing out loud the entire time like i was like holy shit he said that it was so funny i'm yeah i'm trying to think is there is there anything else that you want to um, I guess I had one just like thing I wanted to add on in case someone else cared about it who is a student because I'm like a total cheapskate in a way like I don't want to have any student debt. My undergraduate was at the University of the People. So it's an online accredited tuition free college. So you can get your associate's degree in community and public health, or I think they call it like health science now. And you take like biology classes, um, a lot of public health classes on statistics and social medicine and stuff. And it it's very, very inexpensive. And it gets you those um, two years um, that you might need to get entry into, you know, a TCM program. So if anyone's like trying to become a student, but they don't want the debt or they don't know if they'll ever be able to go back to school, it really helped me out just as a, as a parent working full time, you just do the classes online. And it was really great for acupuncture because it had a solid, solid background in, in research and biology and uh, anatomy and physiology and a bunch of stuff that are co-requisites for our, our program. So it was pretty amazing. So I just want more people to like become uh, interested in Chinese medicine and uh, just make it more normal somehow, meaning like more accepted. And if I have to be like, you know, not as talented or basic or whatever it is to do that, that's okay with me. I just want to get it out there. And then I hope like those people meet like the really good teachers like yourself and the other mentors I've had. And I just think it's better for all of us, really. And I know that's really cheesy and positive, but uh, I think about that stuff a lot. Well, no, that's cool. That sounds like a a good opportunity for people, too, because it's like I did my I did my undergrad in mathematics. Like, let me tell you how much math I use now. Um, So so what was the name of that school? University of the People. So it's, a you know, a funny name that I wish they would change. But um, the goal of it is just to give higher education to everyone in the world. So a lot of my classmates weren't even U.S. citizens. Um, and so you learn a lot about um, global public health. And I think that would be useful for our 
field to be like, yeah, like when all this vaccine stuff rolled out, like a lot of us were like very skeptical of that. And, you know, obviously public health officials are really interested in vaccinations. Um, so even if you disagree with it, I think it's still cool to throw down and like learn about how they do that. And a lot of it is math, like you'd appreciate, you know, epidemiology and statistics and all that. So, but you know, we have real human beings in front of us. So it's just been a really fun journey to go from like stats to people to studies to like masters and just ping pong back and forth. I really loved it. Awesome. I don't know. Maybe someone cares about that out there. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's awesome then. And that's like a good a good option for people. Yeah, let's think. Any anything else before we go, or should we call it a night? Oh, let's call it a night. Is there anything you want to plug, like an Instagram or a website or anything like that? Or I mean, the if you want to do something that would uh, help with if I criticized anything too harshly about my school, um, their clinic is called Working Class Acupuncture. So it's workingclassacupuncture.org. So if you're in Portland area and you want some community acupuncture, you know, come visit us. Um, give us a try. I think it's um, right now it's our all of this month, all of our student treatments are free. So someone could literally just like book like 30 treatments if they wanted to. There's no limit. It's kind of cool. Well, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Thank you again to Zachary for being here. He has his own podcast, Steeped in the 10,000 Things, which explores current research around integrative health and integrative medicine. So things like acupuncture, Chinese herbs, Tai Chi, drinking tea, and what the current research says about these things. So you can check that out on Apple Podcast, Steeped in the 10,000 Things, or check out the link in the description below. For additional show notes or to download this episode, you can go to podcast.tcmstudy.net slash session 13. As always, special thank you to the Patreon members for supporting this podcast, the website, and the YouTube channel. It's your contributions that make projects like this possible. That's all for today. Thanks. We'll see you next time.